Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 562. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a wonderful guest on today, someone who's not a first-time guest in the medical school headquarters, MedEd Media World, someone who was on Mission Accepted previously, but is coming on the pre-med years to talk about his journey a little bit more in depth. Someone who went from nursing into medical school, someone who dealt with self-doubt and so much more, something probably a lot of you are dealing with. We're gonna talk to Aaron here in one second. Before we jump in though, I wanna talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Did you know? One of the best things that you can do for your productivity, for your efficiency, for your effectiveness is to have a plan. Go to blueprintmcat.com today, sign up for a free account and get access to their amazing study planner tool, something that they sunk a lot of resources into so that it can create a calendar for you, a study plan for you based on your specific schedule, based on your specific availability. And guess what? When life gets in the way, because it always does, you can drag and drop around those lessons. If you miss one, if you want to catch up on one, if you want to pull one forward, you can do all of that. Go to blueprintmcat.com and sign up for that free account today. Let's go and jump in. Say hello to our friend Aaron. Again, if you want to check him out, you can go to our Mission Accepted series and go find him over there. Aaron, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you back. Not on the pre-med years. You were also on Mission Accepted, which, spoiler alerts, you were accepted to medical school because that's how you got on Mission Accepted. And now are kind of you're you're done, it seems like, with your preclinical stuff, having taken step one just a few days ago. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Uh, on to your clinical rotation. What's your first rotation? Um, we get to start out with a row rotation with uh, family medicine. Nice. So that will be where we start um, for the first three weeks or so. Our first week is orientation, and then we've got family medicine. So Very cool. Um, I, I want to start with the question that I always ask. When did you first realize you wanted to be a doctor? Because y- your path to medicine is a little circuitous. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I would say the first time that I really realized was probably partway through my freshman year of college, I had started to enjoy um, different healthcare activities and thought, oh, well, maybe I'd like this or that. Um, Started out and majored in kinesiology, 
thought, oh, maybe I'll do some sports things, thought I enjoyed more of the medical side. So I started to get more involved with some of those things. I had become an EMT or was in that process. Um, and it was probably around then that I started to realize, okay, I think that I want to go on for something in the medical field, but I wasn't sure what at that point. Um, did a few pre-med classes, wasn't sure if I could do it, ended up switching into nursing um, and worked as a nurse for several years. And then it was in that process um, that I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail, but just um, I realized I was like, no, I think medical school will be the best route for me. Yeah. So I, I want to rewind. You're, you're in undergrad, you're taking these classes. What was it about the classes or the expectations, whatever it was that was like, yeah, I don't want to go down that path. Or at least at that point, <laughs> you didn't realize yeah. it, not yet. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was the class load that I had. Um, I had just decided I was like, okay, well, I need a whole bunch of classes because I was, I was quote unquote behind because I hadn't done it my freshman year. And so I loaded up my class schedule with um, chemistry, an upper level biology course, and I had physics in there as well. And there were a couple other classes that I was taking, but the physics class that I was taking was a calc based physics, not the pre-calc based. And so it was much more challenging. And I thought I was not doing very well in that class. Well, looking back on it now, there were not very many people in the class that were doing uh, super great at all because it was <laughs> a very challenging class in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Yeah. Um, and so in that, I ended up getting a B and thought, Oh no, like, my chances are done. Be, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you know, all these kids that are pre-med, they're super smart. There's no way that I can do this. And, <sighs> um, and it was partly my own thing though, too, because I had just made a decision after that and just said, Nope, I need to switch. And I didn't consult with enough people. I, mm. it was funny, you know, hearing your different stories from many different advisors. My advisor just was like, okay, sure. If you want to switch, go ahead. Like <laughs> she didn't even really fight me on it. And she actually really helped me in my process when I decided to go back and take my post-bac classes. Um, so it was very interesting for me to just, you know, I was just, I'm going to just disregard that. And um, so that was when I had decided to switch and just thought, if I can't get an A in physics, like there's no way I'm going to be able to handle <laughs> organic chemistry. How am I going to save someone's life? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, how am I going to be able to do that? Cause physics is supposed to be the easy one. Well, <laughs> Who said physics was the easy one? I, I don't know. Inclined um, planes, um, man. Those are hard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and for me, it turned out when I went back and took my post-bac classes, that was easily the hardest class that I had. Um, really? all the other like organic chemistry and biochemistry. Yes, they were challenging, but yeah. physics was just a whole nother like whatever it was in my brain, it was just not clicking. So you're not a math person, basically, sounds like. No, I, I like math, but that is like where the hard line stops. Like trying to figure out all that real world stuff with physics. <laughs> no, it was it was not for me. Interesting. So it, I'm glad you, you kind of clarified the fact that it wasn't someone external saying, hey, you got to be, you're never going to yeah. get into med school now. You had this kind of, expectation that you have to be super smart. You have to have 4.0. How am I right? I jokingly was like, if I get a B in physics, how am I going to save someone's life? You right, had right. a lot of self doubt there. Where do you think that came from? You know, I don't know. Like I think about that sometimes. And 
part of it for me, I think, was that the smaller high school that I had gone to in Southwest Minnesota, Mm -hmm. just, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, can I actually handle this? You know, am I as smart as some of these other kids that are here? And am I going to be able to do well enough? And so I think part of that is where the self-doubt came from is that, oh, I got to this school and, you know, it's gone well so far and I was smart in high school, but there are so many smart people around me. And, and, um, my freshman year, I was actually on the honors floor and took honors classes and, um, just thought, wow, like these kids are so bright. Is there, is there any chance for me to even be half that smart and be able to be able to get there? So I think maybe that culmination of factors kind of led to that self-doubt. Okay. So potentially small school, potentially just, I, I wonder, were you a very good student up until that point or was school always a little kind of murky for you? Um, no, I had been a pretty good student, but it hadn't been, um, challenging in the same way that physics had been, okay. you know, throughout high school, it was, oh, I'll cram the night before and I'll do just got that. it. So this and was really the first time you were challenged. Yes. And I for some reason, for, for some reason, you quickly waved that white flag. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what it was too. Um, I was just so inexperienced. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, didn't know when to keep on pushing through instead of, yeah, like you said, like just waving the right white flag. <laughs> um, because even my freshman year of college, like, yeah, I had challenging classes, but now looking back, like I still didn't even know how to study. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, so yeah. you, you kind of make this pivot and you're like, okay, it, what what I'm saying now, right, is it, you settled for nursing, right? And, and obviously, mm-hmm. for all the nurses out there working hard and, and living their life, they're not settling. That's the career that they want. But it wasn't what you wanted. You just you settled for it at the time. When when you look back at that time, what could you have done differently? Because there are so many students who are in, in a similar situation to yourself where the first sign the the first sign of hardship or pushback or an obstacle they they fold they're like okay i'm done <laughs> right yeah what could you have done differently to to tell yourself that it was possible or or motivate yourself to push through yeah hmm that's a, a really good question and um you know yeah i I'm not sure. The the one thing that I think about and you know I hear from lots of your videos that I hear that I think is great from others is they were willing to go to those external places. Like they talked with their advisor or they talked with, you know, other people that they knew. Um I think that would have been one thing for me. I I really didn't reach out to anyone. I had decided that I was going to be pre-med and switched into the classes. Um but I didn't talk enough with my advisor. I didn't, you know, I wasn't attending like a pre-med society. I lived on the same floor as some of those people that were in pre-med already, but I wasn't really talking with them at all. So I think that would have been another thing in my scenario that would have been helpful instead of just internalizing everything and and thinking, oh, well, you know, I can't do this. Um, And instead talking with others and talking more with my advisor because she was hugely beneficial for me later on down the road. Um, But at that time, you know, and she's busy with a lot of other things. If she hears yeah. one student say, "Ah, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure if, <laughs> if I'm going to be able to do it," you know, 
it's it's harder for her yeah because she just doesn't have time to pour into everything yeah um so i think i think that would have been more helpful for me if i just would have reached out to more people and talked with them yeah i i i wonder even just a small mindset shift of uh, i i'm thinking of um uh, Ted Lasso, where uh, the Walt Whitman quote became famous again of like, be curious, not judgmental. Mm. If if you were curious in that moment going, what can I do to overcome this versus the judgment that you made? I can't do this, or maybe I just, I don't want to do this. Um, if you were curious, you went to that advisor and said, hey, I'm, I'm really concerned that if if I can only get a B in physics, like, what's that going to say about me as a physician or getting through the rest of the pre-med process or getting through medical school? And then maybe at that point she could go, okay, this is someone who is is questioning whether or not they're on the wrong path. The wrong path. Let me go to my list of questions for this specific student. Like, mm. why are you doing this? And blah, 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 blah. And then they, yeah. they can figure out, I'm going to tell you to stay in this process. This is what you're meant to do. You'll overcome the B, not a problem. Versus you were like, I'm done. And she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easy. Yep. Okay. So you you get out of undergrad. You become a nurse. How long were you a nurse before you went back to med school? Um, I was a nurse for, it was about a year and a half. So, okay. So relatively quickly. Yeah. Yep. What was it about being a nurse that you were like, oh, shoot, I'm definitely not supposed to be here long term? It's actually interesting because as I was going through nursing school, I had many of my professors and even clinical instructors say, yeah, Aaron, there's no way you're staying here. Like, <laughs> you're not going to stay as a registered nurse, whether that's going on for CRNA or nurse practitioner or med school. They just saw like my drive for curiosity, my drive for wanting to know more, wanting to know the why. And they're like, yeah, no, <laughs> you, you, you will not stay here. And I, and I knew that too, going through, I knew that I would go on for something. I just didn't know when or for what. And so it was really in that time, it was around when COVID was starting. Um, my wife and I had just had our daughter and she also worked as a nurse. And so there were a lot of changes that were going on and we were both working the days, nights, rotating thing. And I decided, or one of us, you know, we kind of decided together needed to switch and so I switched to a new job and it was interesting because I had worked in ICU and then I switched over to PACU. And when I made that switch to PACU was really when I started to see more of, okay, no, like I can't, I can't stay here for a very, very long time. I can stay here for a short amount of time until I get to my next destination, but I need to figure out what that next destination is. Um, but at that point, another kind of self-doubt was already in my head in that, um, well, I already have a family. I can't, you know, I can't go back to medical school now because I've heard um, different things that, you know, you can't live a family life if you are a physician and you have a family and all these different <laughs> things. And so it was, yes, several, just several doubts and things that had gone through my mind. And so at that point, it was CRNA or nurse practitioner. Okay. So I started to shadow both of those and I was like, you know, like I need to at least try, like I need to look into this whole medical school thing and at least give it a shot. And so I started to shadow some physicians, um, 
And slowly we started to realize through that process, you know, when I'm going and asking questions, I'm asking them to the residents, to the fellows, to the yeah. attending. Um, I ask questions that my fellow nurses are like, uh, Aaron, why do you care? <laughs> like, why is that a big deal to you? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just want to know. Like, <laughs> don't you want to know why this is the way it is? Why are we here? What's this life for? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And they're like, no. Like, I just, I want to know A and B, and then I'll get this job done, this task, and then I've got another bunch of tasks to do because that's the way it is. And there's, there's so many tasks to just get done. Yeah. Um, but for me, just knowing the why and knowing all that stuff. So I don't know. Did that answer your question well enough? Yeah. I, I want to go back to undergrad, before undergrad. Why were you pre-med to begin with? What was your fascination with becoming a physician? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in high school, I had a really cool experience um, with an anatomy and physiology class. And it was with our biology or science teacher at that point. And I was just fascinated by that. Um, just seeing how all the, the muscles worked and throughout the body. And as a um, person who had enjoyed sports and had some different sports injuries, seeing, you know, healthcare a little bit from that angle, I thought, oh, you know, this is, this is kind of cool. And, you know, maybe this is where I could end up. And it wasn't something that I had talked about very early on, but another thing that really influenced me was my grandpa having a stroke. And when he had that stroke, he ended up being paralyzed on um, half of his body mm. and just had a series of over the next five years, just deteriorated, ended up in the nursing home. And that whole process of him going through that and completely transforming from a person that was 82 years old and still working as a farmer on the farm to this person now that couldn't do anything. Wow. And there were all these people that were there to take care of him and do all these different things. And I thought, you know, that's pretty cool. And just to see that whole process and then the palliation process once he was getting towards the end um, was all really fascinating to me. And actually was interesting later on because once I got into ICU, I really enjoyed the palliative care aspect of the ICU. Yeah. Um, but hadn't really known that prior to that. But then once I realized that, realized, oh, this probably stems back from when my grandpa was sick and I got to see a lot of those things happening. Got it. So you had some pretty strong reasons to go to medical school. What They weren't weak. Uh, and no. so that's why you gave it up so quickly. It's like, oh, I really didn't care about being here and so I'm going to give up. Yeah. Um, you just had the the very common uh, bout of self-doubt-itis um, mm -hmm. and luckily got cured. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, at some point you're like, okay, I definitely have to try to go to medical school. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yep. What, what was your next step? How did you realize that you could do a post-back and there's this thing out there that existed? Yeah. Um, I had started to just do a little bit of research online um, and just started to realize, okay, well, if I want to go to this school that's here in my state, I need to take a lot of classes and maybe I need to do that for other schools as well. Yeah. Um, and started to realize, okay, if this is a path that I'm going to go down, then I'm going to have to figure out how to take these classes. I didn't find that out until it was either late June or early July. So school was just about to start coming up in August. And a fair number of those classes were already full. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to get on this if I'm going to be, you know, anywhere near trying to get this done soon. And 
So it was probably around that point, like mid-July or early August, when I stumbled on your website and several others that really helped me along in the process and made me realize, okay, there is a way that I can be very intentional about this, get my ducks in a row, and I can do well in this thing and hopefully get into medical school my first try. Um, And it was actually my wife when we were sitting there talking about it, and I was like, well, you know, I can do a little bit slower um, and do the post-bac classes over two years so that I can continue to work full time and go to school and do these things. And she looked at me and she goes, no, like, just go get it done. Just if you're going to do this thing, just <laughs> I love it. all classes. Yeah. And so I never did. It wasn't a formal post-bac, mm-hmm. but I lined up all my classes that I need to. And fortunately, there was one class that I was waitlisted on and I got in like, three days before the class started wow. and um, I was like, all right, well, we're doing this thing. And so I worked part-time through the rest of it, okay. um, but it was basically full-time school. It wasn't, I'm trying to remember if it was seven or eight credits that mm-hmm. fall semester. And then it was 12 um, the spring semester right before I had taken the MCAT. And the yeah. And were you worried about grade repair uh, or was it mostly just taking the prereqs because you hadn't taken them? Yeah, it was mostly just um, taking the prereqs. I was worried about my grades, but in a sense of, you know, I just want to do as well as I can in these ones because my GPA up until that point had been. But that B, that B in physics. I know. I know. (laughs) How did you overcome? Um, (laughs) uh, I had to listen to you for about, oh, I'd guess probably nine or 10 hours. And then I realized I was like, Aaron, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Yeah. Mountain out of a molehill, as they say. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. after many more hours of listening to you as well and hearing all the non-traditional stories, I was like, yeah, this is not, not that worrisome. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your wife is a nurse as well. Did you meet in nursing school? Uh, no, we actually met in high school. (sighs) See that, that would have been, you have to just lie. You're not high school sweethearts. You met in nursing school, which meant you were meant to give up after physics. So that you met, all right, (laughs) I guess high school sweethearts is is a good story too. Okay. Um, all right. So you, uh, you go through this process. You're like, oh crap, I got to go to med school. You do your post back. You you get your stuff done. What what was the hardest part about being a pre-med and applying to medical school at, at that point? You know, I think the hardest part was just keeping everything in line, um, knowing that there were a bunch of classes. There was a lot weighing on that because I knew that that would be, they would be able to consider that separately from the rest of my years of school that I had had and just see the grades and what it was like when I went back. And also that I had graduated in 2018 and I was going back and taking these classes in 2020 and 2021. So I hadn't been a full-time student in several years. So I knew that they were going to look at that as well and say, okay, well now he's going back for classes. You know, how is he going to do as a student again? So I think all of those things and just making sure that I had everything in line and ready to go because like I started studying for the MCAT in January of that year before I had taken it in uh, the end of May and taking my classes at the same time and making sure my application was ready to apply super early in June. Um, Didn't get it in on the first couple of days, but I got it in on day seven. So (laughs) I felt very good Perfectly fine. Yeah. 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 And so just knowing that whole process and trying to keep all that lined up, I think that 
at that time was the hardest part for me, just making sure that I had all my ducks in a row. I was organized. I was ready to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Making, making sure it's organized and, and we've been working hard on tools like mapped and having a, a software platform to help, help students with that. Um, when it came to choosing where to apply your non-traditional student, your wife's a nurse, I'm sure working, um, what conversations were had about where you could apply to medical school based on family and other stuff? Yeah. Um, it was at that time that I realized my um, number of schools that I was going to apply to is going to be very small. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be as small as it was, <laughs> which I'll get to in a minute. But um, I knew that it was going to be much smaller than some of the other people I had heard on your podcast. And so I just had to be comfortable with that right away. But my wife and I had talked about it early because she was actually going through a nurse practitioner program at that point. Mm. And for her to finish that and me to start medical school when I was going to in 2022, um, right. Yeah. 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, I would need to just apply in South Dakota. Um, because there were a few other schools in Minnesota that I was considering as well, just because that's where I was from. Um, but at the end of the day it was okay, well, I would like to finish my program. And I thought, okay, well that's, you know, that's, justifiable and a good reason for us to stay here as well. And so I ended up only applying to one school. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and so decided to do that knowing that, you know, if I don't get in, Mm -hmm. then I have a backup plan of the next year, my wife will be done with school. I'll be able to apply to many more schools and just get my application out there a little bit more to do that. Yeah. So it it was a risk, but it was uh, a calculated risk and you had a backup plan to go, Hey, like this time, yes, restricted next time, much more open. Yes. And is this the school that you got into and and are going to? Yes. Yep. Yep. It is. Nice. So what, what did that look like in terms of that process? Did you, try to engage with the school a little bit more going, Hey, here's who I am. I'm only applying to your school. Please love me. Um, yeah. or, or did you kind of keep it, keep it low key and just apply like everyone else and, and be a little bit more hands off? Yeah. Well, initially I thought I was keeping it low key because <laughs> I wasn't contacting the school. Okay. Um, but several people that I had known through nursing and then actually our pediatrician, are very heavily affiliated with the school. Nice. And so, yes, I had a few uh, people that were back there working the scenes, I think a little bit more than I had known yeah. um, because there were a couple people in the school that are very influential for the admissions. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with one of the physicians and she's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll let him know that, you know, you sent your application in. And at the time I was like, okay, sounds good. Okay. And now I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> that was a big, that was a much bigger deal than I ever thought. Yeah. And so, um, well, let me and, ask you just, just based on that, a, a lot of students that I talk to are scared to kind of let the world know that they're applying to medical school for fear of, mm-hmm. of failing in public, so to speak. Yes. It doesn't sound like you kept that close to your, your chest. No, I did not. I, you know, I kind of ran that calculation in my head right away. I was like, yeah you know, maybe is it kind of risky if I'm telling people or, you know, should I keep it to myself? But I realized very quickly that with me cutting down on work and just some of the other people that I was talking to, I was like, I, 
don't think it's going to work very well for me to just keep that close to my breast. And so I just decided I was like, you know what, I'm just going to tell as many people that want to hear about it as they can. And so I did. And I told lots of my coworkers. So then lots of the physicians that would come through pack you after surgery would hear about it. And they're like, Oh, you're the nurse that's going to apply to medical school. <laughs> you are applying to medical school. Nice. And so I became known as that guy. Word got out. Yes. And it was hugely helpful for me though, because just so many people that were affiliated with my work are also affiliated with the school because yeah. it's such a small state. Yep. And so it was hugely beneficial for me. And it just goes back to the saying, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And yeah. that that was so true in my case as well. Just having that helpful yeah. set of hands or set of connections there to help me along in that process. Yeah, it, it goes beyond that though, right? It's, it's not just who you know, but it's who you are as a person. It sounds mm -hmm. like you were the type of person who everyone wanted to help. Um, and so they, they did, did, did you get any pushback from other nurses? Because that's, that's the other common thing I hear is like, Oh, we're not good enough for you. <laughs> yes, there were a few, but it, for the most part, it everyone was just very helpful, but there were a couple that were like, um, you know, there's this thing called CRNA. I was like, yeah, I know <laughs> I, I, I shadowed there and I get to see them all the time. And I get to see what part of what their job is as they're um, bringing patients to the PACU. Um, but for me at the end of the day, and I knew that was a question I was going to get in the interview trail too. So that was one that I had prepared very well. Yeah. Um, and just thought, no, like I, I think that going to medical school is going to be the better route for me, but there were, yeah, there were a couple people along the way that, you know, little jabs kind of here and there of, Hey, you know, there's this other path that you can go on. I was like, yes, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're in medical school now. Is it everything you thought it would be? Uh, is it just like physics really hard, but what's, what's med school like for you? Med school has been really, um, a challenge in its own way. And, you know, I feel like I've told multiple people this and just hearing from others telling me, you know, it's like drinking water out of a fire hose. <laughs> and at the time hearing that I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. But what's <laughs> what that <is> like? <laughs> And you don't know until you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had heard from many people lots of times that, yeah, it's going to be really, really challenging, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't really know what that was all going to entail in the actual process and what that was going to be like on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were times and periods that I had it, I suppose, for the post back classes, but not to this level and yeah. not to the extent that we're in now. Um, so yeah, but it has been, it was so incredible being there, you know, an orientation day. I'm a very open person. I like talking with a lot of people. So meeting a whole bunch of new people in orientation week was awesome. And then starting out on our very first day of class, we're sitting down there in class. We're all excited and professor, she rolls down the screen and, and we start going and she starts talking and I'm like, oh yeah this is, this is right where I'm supposed to be. And to have that moment right when medical school was starting was just such a cool thing for me mm -hmm. to realize, all right, all this work that I put in, all the work that I'm going to put in up until this point, because, you know, I'm not even touching the surface yet. Yeah. It will be worth it because it's going to get me to a point that I want to be at. And as I've continued on through my medical school classes, it has just shown me more and more. Yeah. 
this is definitely the route that I want to go down and I'm very happy where I'm at. Yeah. And yes, it has any lots regrets, of, lots of challenges. Um, I wouldn't say any regrets. Um, but I do say sometimes, um, you know, med school is the easiest part of my life just because being a non-traditional student going from working full time to being a father now of two, um, and, you know, still trying to be a husband and doing all the family things and everything else, trying to integrate all those things is a very challenging process to try and figure that out and also be a medical student that's excelling as well. Yeah. And so to try and navigate all that stuff is very challenging. Yeah. How, how um, do you do it? Because that's the next question is yeah. how, how do you be a dad? How do you be a partner? How do you be a medical student? How, how do you do all of those things well, or do you not? And and a lot of the times I have conversations with non-trads and they're like, I know I'm not going to be AOA. I'm, I know I'm not going to be top of class and, and that's okay. Yep. Yeah. I really like, we had one physician that's talked to us several times about, um, you know, you hear a lot about work-life balance and she talks about work-life integration. And I kind of like that a little bit. Better. I hate the balance. I, there's yeah. no balance. Yeah. Because there's plenty of times in school where, you know, 90% of my time or, you know, or even the weekends, 90% of my time needs to be spent on school. Yeah. And then there are other weekends where I can have 90% of the time to my family. Yeah. And it's integrating those two, hopefully at the right time. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't happen. Like yeah. I failed one of my quizzes and I had realized, okay, I integrated too much of <laughs> other things outside of school. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And, and you like just got done happened. with step one, right? And, and that's a season of your life where there ain't much family time probably happening during your, your dedicated step one time, because that is the test that you have to get through or else all of it's for nothing. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, those things, yeah, there were several of my classmates, um, that were like, Oh, you know, you're taking step one this soon. And I'm like, yep. Like I'm just going to go and do it. But it is, they were like, Oh, well that must've been a challenging time. I'm like, yeah, my head has just been buried down and just trying to get all of these things done and, and getting to the point where I feel ready. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the integration aspect of just trying to find time for family, trying to find enough time to study for school and just knowing that that isn't going to happen every time yeah. is some um, a conclusion that I had to come to much sooner and just realize, you know, everything's not going to be perfect all the time. And sometimes it won't even be good, um, but hopefully it will be enough, yeah. enough of the time that I'll still be able to excel and do well. Um, so, yeah, just trying to find and do those things. Mm -hmm. It has been very challenging. Any communication tips with your, your partner and kids to, to help ease those integration pieces? Yes. Early and often. Um, <laughs> Early, just, often, all the time. Yes. Yes. Because I think there are times where it feels like I'm assuming too much or I'm trying to, you know, go seven steps ahead and which is important at certain times, but other times, no, I just need to communicate more and, and talk more. Um, you know, a lot of things just break down when I've made a decision that I didn't make with my wife or I, we didn't make as a family. And so there was a hard moment that came 
halfway through my first year that we were sitting down and it was like, okay, I need to figure out more of this to spend not less time doing schoolwork, but just more focus time. Because a lot of our weekends, I was studying for a couple hours and I was coming out and hanging out with the family for an hour. And then I was studying for another two hours. And my wife was like, well, hey, can you just study for a very like five or six hours, like set amount of time in that Saturday morning? And then we can have the rest of the day. And so that was something that I was really intentional in trying to do um, and tried to set that up for a lot of those weekends so that, you know, I have my dedicated time of studying that morning and then I've got the rest of the time off for that day. But I also had several people in the class above me that I had talked to that had families and they said, you know, your life is just going to look different than what your classmates' lives are. And that's something that you're going to have to accept early on as well. You know, you're not going to have the time to sit and watch YouTube for a whole day and then say, oh, well, now it's five o'clock. Now I can go and study because when five o'clock rolls around, you know, that's when my wife is getting done with work and we're going to get the girls from daycare. And so that's family time now. So for me, it just kept, kept me really intentional of during the day, this is my study time and this is the time that I have. If I decide or don't decide whatever and take the day off, you know, I just, I lose that time. Yeah. I'm not going to compromise on that family time. I would say that's another thing with the like whole family thing too. have a set amount of time every single day, whether that's, you know, getting your um, kids ready in the morning or being there with your wife in the morning, wife, spouse, whatever in the morning, getting ready um, or having that time at night too, whatever it is, two, three, one or three hours, however many you feel like you can spare because I feel like having that set amount of time each day was really helpful as well in that my wife knew, okay, when five o'clock hits, that's our time. And we've got that from five to eight o'clock at night. And then from eight o'clock on, yeah, Aaron will probably study more, but I know that I've got at least three hours every single night with him. I I love the intentional uh, aspect of that and, and you saying that. Aaron, for the student listening to this who just got their B in physics and is ready to wave the white flag, what do you say to them to help encourage them to to not give up as easily as you did back in the day? You can do it. Um, That's the main thing that I wish that I would have heard from others and I think would have been helpful as well is just hearing you can do it. There are going to be challenging periods. There's challenging periods that I have now, as you guys have just heard, you know, going through medical school. Yeah, I, I, I did the thing and I got into medical school and I did, you know, all the right things leading up to that. And it's still challenging and it still will be, you know, I know that I've still got a lot coming as well, you know, with clinicals and then residency after that. Um, but you can do it if you are and you become well-equipped on by your own means, by means of an advisor or a professor or whatever it is, you can find a way to get it done. So don't, you know, don't quit too early just because, oh, well, I'm not sure, you know, I got to be in this class or I got to see in this class or whatever it is, you know, you'll be able to find a way if this is what you truly want, because that's what ended up for me as well. I knew after a while, okay, this is going to be the path for me and I need to figure out 
whatever it is in order to get me to that point so that I can get there because I really want to become a physician. All right. So there you have it again, Aaron talking about his journey to medical school and beyond overcoming self-doubt and so much more. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like more of these, go ahead and subscribe, follow whatever your podcast app tells you to do. Uh, If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts is going away. Surprise, surprise, Google is shutting down another service. That's what they do. They start something, they shut it down. Hopefully they they never shut down Gmail. I hope they never do that. Or their their search engine. I I don't think they'll do that. But anyway, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I use um, a podcast app called Overcast. If you were interested, by the way, Uh, that's my favorite app. It allows you to speed things up without the voice sounding like a mouse. So if you're listening to this to to me right now at 2x speed and I sound a little mousy, go check out Overcast. I am not affiliated with them. I just like them. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope your 2024 is starting off wonderfully. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.